Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and uh, yeah, there's no commuting going on. This is uh, thanks to Callan McGill for suggesting Iowa Type Theory Quarantine as a temporary name. Yeah, I'm not commuting anywhere. I'm just sitting in my basement, looking out my window, and um, feeling sorry that I didn't manage to uh, post many episodes recently. Uh, last week was not a good week for just trying to juggle work and, and child care and stuff now that can't use any outside childcare to help take care of my kids during the day some. So anyway, um, today I'm, it's, things are a little different so I can manage to, to release the episode. And so we're in chapter eight of the podcast talking about termination checking. That is checking that recursive functions defined over inductive data types are terminating so that you can't, you can't write infinite loops and things like that. And we talked a little bit, we started out talking about sort of the most rudimentary form of termination checking, I think, for data types and recursive functions on the data types, which is just sort of a simple syntactic check to make sure that your recursive function is only called on pattern variables uh, that come from uh, matching on the input to the recursive function. So um, if you have inductive data types and if your data types follow some rules, this doesn't work for every data type, um, but if your data type follows some basic rules, then this scheme makes sure that as you recurse, you're always digging through this finite depth tree, and eventually you're gonna. Um, as I should say, I mean this does this actually does work where your trees have unbounded depth, but any path through your tree has to have finite depth, and so as you recurse and make recursive calls on subdata, you're digging down some path of your, uh, through some path of your uh, tree, and that's that's got to stop. It can't go forever. And so that simple scheme um, does work for enforcing termination, and it, it, it covers a lot of ground. You know, it's there's a lot you can do with that. Um, a lot of examples that we'll go through with this kind of termination checking. Uh, and really, you know, I mean, that's good because that's basically the termination checking provided by tools like Kalk and Agda. Um, I don't know Idris terribly well, so I'm not sure uh, if it, what Idris uses for this sort of thing. But um, Kalk and Agda use this kind of uh, structural termination check, um, possibly with some a bit of fanciness to it. But essentially this, and not so fancy that uh, we, we can't get it into trouble. <laughs> and how do you get this kind of type termination checking into trouble? is you try to factor out parts of your recursive function. Uh, so you basically try to make it harder for the termination checker to see that you are making a recursive call on a, um, you know, on a pattern variable, on some subdata of your starting data. And it's, um, you know, you can basically, I mean, a part of my, I, I don't know the internal workings of how Agda and Kalk implement this kind of thing, but I can tell you that that's what they do because I can break it. <laughs> it's pretty easy to confuse Kalk and Agda, and and even though in reality you're gonna you're writing a function where the the um, the recursive function is only gonna be called on a pattern variable, uh, you can you can cause those tools trouble by just obscuring that a little bit. Like a great a simple way to do this, and I know this works for defeating Kalk's termination checker, is you just apply an identity function some unbounded number of times to the pattern variable and then make a recursive call on it. So you call like f of 
id of id of id of id where id is the identity function. Id of id of id of, of you know x where x is some pattern variable in your pattern match for your recursive function. And Kong cannot tell, it cannot figure out that kind of, oh yeah, this nested composition of identity functions is going to be the identity and therefore f, you know, my function is getting called on a pattern variable. There's no way I can tell that. And you can obfuscate that example even more where it would require arbitrary, you know, undecidable theorem proving to figure out that, um, oh yes, this expression really is just equivalent to a pattern variable, so it's okay to make a recursive call on it. Um, so anyway, so that's that's really the problem with the simple syntactic check is that it doesn't, it's non-compositional. That is, you can decompose your program into some helper functions, and all of a sudden, it doesn't pass the termination checker anymore. And so that's that's a pity. And I think in general, termination checkers are a little fragile. I mean, some because some it seems that in Kalkin Agda they're putting some effort to trying to catch some simple cases of deep program decomposition. In a sense, I mean, this is this is great in some ways. It's making the tool more usable. But on the other hand, it's making it less predictable because you may not really know what the boundary is between the kind of decompositions that they can detect and, and still let you do, and the kinds that they can't. So, you know, if you preferred predictability, you would you would actually not be happy about the situation. There would be better, from a predictability standpoint, just to have a simple, like, quite naive check where if you try to factor your, you know, split out some helper function, um, the thing just, just would break immediately. Anyway, so um, there are approaches. This problem has been recognized for a while. And there are competing approaches that try to give you compositionality uh, for your termination checker. And the one I wanted to talk a little bit about today is something called size types. And I actually, again, in a rare fit of preparation, I've actually been reading up on size types a little bit. I've been aware of them and sort of roughly the basic idea but um, there were a lot of details I wasn't um, too aware of, and I, I still would not consider myself an expert at all. Um, uh, but they were actually introduced, and this I didn't know, they are introduced, um, let's see, where is that citation? In a paper by John Hughes, famous um, researcher in functional programming. And let's see, uh, this is cited in various size types papers. Yeah, there's a paper from Popple, Principles of Programming Languages, a premier, a premier conference in programming languages. Popple 96, Proving the Correctness of Reactive Systems Using Size Types, John Hughes, Pareto, and Amar Sabri. So that's where this technique was introduced. I haven't, um, that's the, the other papers working in the, uh, on this area. I have give that paper credit for introducing the idea of size types. Um, it looks like it's sized types. Um, so... Uh, yeah, maybe size types also one would see uh, with no D at the end of size. Anyhow, um, and I've got a very nice paper I'm consulting uh, to learn a little more about size types, which is, it's called A Tutorial on Type-Based Termination by Gilles Barth, that's B-A-R-T-H-E, Benjamin Gregoire, and Colin Reba. And um, Gilles Barth is one is a great, great researcher uh, who's published a paper on this uh, topic um, previously, and I'm sure his co-authors are fantastic researchers as well, but I know Bart's work uh, the best of those. And anyway, uh, the um, this paper is actually very nice for walking through the basic idea of size types, and 
I will, um, to my am somewhat amateur knowledge of this, try to explain to you. So the basic idea is that we're going to use the type system to keep track of some kind of approximation to the sizes of the inductive data types that um, we're working with. And so, um, so what, when you uh, start applying constructors, you're increasing the size, the, like the depth of the data data structure. Uh, and so the, the, the type now will tell you this sort of, it will include a size index that's giving you some, again, some approximation to the size of the data that you have. Um, let me tab forward in my paper here. I'm looking at it a little bit um, to see some examples. And uh, just a second. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, so actually I'm not quite, I'm not totally clear on how much you, uh, yeah, it looks like you are generally, um, yeah, you're generally indexing here. I'm also looking at the Agda standard library, which doesn't have as many occurrences of this. So Agda supports size types, have special machinery in the language for letting you um, put a size index on your data type. And so they've got an example here for rows trees, that is trees where you've got um, a list of subtrees, a finite list of subtrees at every node, possibly empty, that's your base case. And um, there the type is sort of like a rows tree storing data of type A, you actually end up having something of type rows AI, where I is a size. Um, and uh, sizes can be, um, Let's see. It looks like they can more or less be. I found this in the Agda file here somewhere. Um, well, there might be some kind of base case size. Maybe it's a size variable or something. Uh, that's probably what the base case is. And then there's sort of like so the size expression that means one a size that's one bigger. And then there's a size that's just infinity. That means um, it's not saying you have an infinitely deep structure. It's saying that the type checker is not going to is has lost track or can't isn't going to try to track how big this data structure is. So, so anyway, so you, you're programming now, instead of programming with lists, you program, you know, lists of A's of, of size I. And the key idea of size types is you keep track of the sort of approximation to the size, and when you want to do a recursion, you're basically going to use these size indices to insist that the function is called on, on smaller data, data that has a smaller size. So you no, you no longer have to make a function call. You know, you, you can recurse on other things besides just a pattern variable of your data. Uh, you can make, you know, you can take some, you have a, you can take some sub data out of the data you're recursing over. You can apply various functions to it as long as those functions are size preserving. And so their types will actually show you, and here in the Agda code, there's a, a map function for rose trees. And it shows you that, yeah, when you, you're mapping an A to B function over a rose tree of A's and getting a rose tree of B's, and the the uh, function's type shows you that the size is actually preserved. It says you take a rose tree of size I, as as rose tree of A's of size I's input, and produce a rose tree of, a, of B's of size I's output. And so that's pretty cool. So that means you can um, you can actually make recursive calls on things that are not uh, just um, subdata of your uh, input data, it can be things that you've comp 
computed from that subdata, as long as the size is um, is is still less than the size of the data your, your recursion starts off with. So your recursion is sort of assumed to start off with uh, um, bigger, you know, one bigger pieces of data, and then you can recurse at the size below that. Um, so let's see if I can pull up an example here just a second. Uh, so Yeah, actually, it's handy to find the typing rule in this for recursion in this uh, paper. So, just a second here. So, um, yeah, right. So, when you're gonna when you define a recursive function, in, when you check the type check the body of the recursive function, uh, that thing is going to take in inductive data of size next size bigger than i, where i is some size variable. And you're only allowed to make recursive calls on data of size i. And there's sort of a there's some kind of like promotion sort of notion that if you have um, data you know that's even smaller than i, uh, it can it's it automatically counts as data of size i. So if you had data of size one, then you can promote that up to data of size uh, size i. But this is in this recursion rule. Um, and and one okay, so you you to type or check a recursive function. It takes a nat of any size, including infinity. Yeah, the, the not again, not the infinite depth, but the symbol that just means the type checker no longer knows what's happening with the size or doesn't care. It's just arbitrary unknown size, basically, uh, that covers all the other sizes. And anyway, so you type check a recursive function. You assume the the function can uh, in the body when you're type checking the body. You you can make recursive calls. Um, you're, you assume that the function you're going to make recursive calls with has a type that says, I take in the data of size i, and then I produce whatever. And your body of the function is then required to say, I take in data of size 1 bigger than i, and I produce whatever. And then the whole recursion it says, I take in data of any size you want, and I produce whatever. So um, so that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty cool idea. It's a pretty, in some ways, it's kind of a... Um, it makes a lot of sense that you would sort of track the sizes. And how, how does it deal with the compositionality problem? Well, now, you know, typing is compositional, right? You can split your functions up as long as you, you know, erect the typing boundaries correctly. Like, you know, I've got to break out a helper function. As long as I correctly say what its type is and only use it at that type inside my main function, um, that's fine. You know, so, so type-based methods are already going to be compositional. So this solves the problem of sort of non-compositionality of this simple syntactic check. Um, unfortunately, I think I think it's fair to say it does open up some new problems and challenges uh, that I don't. My feeling is that are not really that satisfactorily solved. Uh, not so much technical challenges, just for like usability challenges. I mean, word on the street is it's not really that fun to work with size types in a language, say, like Agda. Maybe that's why the library doesn't seem to use it too much. Um, I mean, because basically now, all your nice data types you have have all, all, all got to get annotated with size information if you want to use this technique. Okay, so you can't just say, oh, I've got data, list, you know, with constructors, nil, and cons. Now you have to say, I've got data, list of size i, nil produces a list of size next big, you know, 
uh, successor size of a type of a size variable i. Like all of a sudden, like, there's this now this whole new concept that as a programmer I need to kind of understand. I've got these sizes. I need to understand what the infinity size means. I mean, there's like a bunch of machinery here I have to deal with. Um, and again, it sort of pollutes everything I do. Uh, if I had some code that didn't want to work with sizes, I suppose, and probably this is, I don't know for sure if this is what's done, but you can map, you could certainly map from size types to non-size types. You're going to have to write little recursive translation functions that take sized lists and just turn them into regular lists, or take regular lists and turn them into size lists. I don't know if that, I assume that could be done too. Um, so, you know, but that's really kind of painful. So you have this recursive glue that would have to connect parts of your code where you care about the sizes and parts where you don't. Um, so that's uh, unattractive. Um, and it complicates your language definition and semantics as well, although this BART et al. tutorial on type-based termination um, it does a pretty convincing job of showing that, well, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's really not, it can be kept pretty simple from a theoretical perspective. I mean, there, I appreciate how they've written this paper and it's it all kind of goes along pretty nicely, nothing too, too hair-raising in defining the language, but it does complicate the language and it does sort of show up. Let me see if I can find their typing rules um, to see sort of how much we pollute everything um, with sizes. Uh, yeah, it's not too polluted, but there's there's a lot of, I mean, well, obviously for cases, case expressions and pattern matching and stuff, we, we're going to need to deal with that. Um, and there's some kind of thing that, again, sort of lets you promote and increase the sizes if you want. And it's it's not that, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big change to make. Now, dealing with termination is a pretty big problem. So it's not unreasonable that we'd have to, have to do something like that. Anyway, um, I've been talking on for a while here. See, no commute to rein me in. I'm just sitting in my basement. Uh, but that's a little bit about size types. It's a method you keep track, uh, statically keep track of some approximation to the size of your data. And you only, you define your recursions so that they, recursive functions have to make recursive calls on strictly smaller data than they started with. And this is actually pretty cool because now um, that check that they're making calls on, on data of smaller size is actually implemented as part of type checking. And so that gives you a compositional termination approach. So anyway, um, that's all I got for you today. Uh, feel free to write in if you got any questions or comments or anything, and hope everybody's staying safe. Thanks for listening.